Big Red Revival. Welcome into the Big Red Revival podcast, season four, episode eight. You know, a great man, uh, Al Davis, once said, famous, famous quote, maybe you've heard it, just win, baby. And that's what Nebraska does Friday nights and Piscataway, New Jersey, home of college football, the birthplace of college football. Nebraska goes on the road with it and ends up with a 14-13 uh, conference road victory to uh Keep them atop of the Big T- uh, Big Ten West Conference or Division, excuse me, and move them to three and three on the season. And now we've got a little thing called a. Uh, tell me if you've heard it before. A winning streak. That's two in a row for Nebraska. And my my oh my have things uh, changed uh, significantly here in the past couple of weeks. So um, it wasn't the prettiest of things, but you know, a win is a win, and uh, ugly or pretty, it's just about W's and L's, man. So, Zach, what's your uh, what's your main takeaway from what you saw Friday night and where we're at now? Yeah, it just feels like unfamiliar territory. Um, it's not something that we've had the opportunity to discuss very often um, since old Scotty uh, took over. Um, and Mickey just achieved something that it took Scott a year and a half to achieve, and that's have a winning record. And, um, you know, when, when we look at this, where we're at now sitting three and three and somehow tied top the big 10 West, it's, it's really just quite unbelievable. I mean, it's hard to believe after Georgia Southern took it to us and then Oklahoma, who now looks like a much different team, um, made it very clear that they were the, the better team. And now all of a sudden, you know, we've been able to rattle off two wins. Um, and you know, we're, we're sitting pretty, uh, as pretty as you can be with a three and three record, but, um, you know, we, we obviously have a, a tough task ahead going to, uh, to Purdue next week, but, um, you know, it's just right now it's enjoying the moment, enjoying where we're at and hoping that we continue to improve, but, um, couldn't be happier for Mickey Joseph and the team. So. Absolutely. Yeah. The team, the, the coaches and help, you know, us fans, even it's been a, it's been a fucking tough few years. So. Um, you know, any kind of victory is great. So we will celebrate that every single time. So, uh, you know, the, the one thing that just kind of had me thinking, you know, after this, um, was, you know, what's a win worth, you know, what's, what's the price of winning? Um, you know, is two wins worth, I don't know, $7.5 million. Um, you know, you see where I'm going with this, uh, in this kind of, just wanted to track back to, you know, Trev's, uh, you know, actions previously to, uh, you know, let Frost go and not wait the extra, you know, 20 days or whatever it was to save this, the school or, you know, not the school, but whoever pays it, where all the money comes from, the donors and <laughs> all that, all that shit that we'll get into here a little bit, a little bit later. But, uh, you know, he said, you know, he owed it to this team and, you know, the players to get Scott Frost at, up out of there, you know, and when someone doesn't want to be there, you got to get them up out of there immediately. So there's no, no waiting around. And, you know, a lot of people maybe questioned the decision, you know, what's the worst, you know, letting him uh, coach, you know, an extra three weeks and saving, you know, seven and a half million dollars. Well, I mean, is it worth two more wins? Because, you know, I think if yep. Frost is our coach is, you know, do we get these two wins? You know, we would have just fired him on the first to save the seven and a half. And then we would have had 
I believe four days to get ready to fly across the country on a short week with new coaching staff to try to beat Rutgers on the road. I don't think so. I think we would uh, we'd be sitting at one and one and uh, five right now. So uh, you know, just kind of Zach, what do you think of that decision and obviously how it's played out now? That obviously he made the right decision to get rid of Frost um, early and not you know and uh, go ahead and cut the check. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely a difficult decision for for Trev to to get rid of Frost and the, with the timing and everything that that uh, came with it, and obviously, you know, money's going to make people go a little crazy, which we saw. But you know, in hindsight, now it's not looking like it's such a or such a bad decision. But right. that's what Trev was brought here to do. He, you know, he, he understands how to make those difficult decisions. You can ask UNO um, the type <laughs> yeah. of decisions he had to make there. I'm still so, crying about it, and and you know and. Mickey keeps winning games and it's just going to make for another really difficult decision for Trev to make because, you know, obviously he wants to go out and get somebody who's going to turn things around here sooner rather than later. But if you already have him here, um, that puts you in a tough spot. And I think that, you know, it's a, we've, we've talked about it before, but Mickey's, you know, in in the midst of a tryout to be this coach and we, we gave him an A plus last week. And I I don't think that that grade will change. Right. Um, after another win on the road and winning on the road in a way that we couldn't find a way to do under Frost. And so, um, yeah, no doubt that he he made the right call. And I was just kind of thinking about that, too. And um, even before we on Friday night when we went to Rutgers and, you know, um, it's it's you know great to, to be in the spot. But um, you always have to think back, man, I wish that hadn't we had that Northwestern one back oh, or I wish man. we had that that definite win with Georgia Southern. But if, if we don't take those wins, we're not probably sitting three and three and we're still bitching about the same old stuff. So, you know, whether or not you, you like it, um, it's proving to be the right, the right decision. And I I, I think that anyone who's involved in in the program or has been around it long enough knows that that 7.5 million was just pocket change for a lot of people. And we had to do what we had to do. And, and um, yeah, to your point, it was, undoubtedly the right call yeah yeah no it was i mean like i said this team and this program is in a completely different place right now if you allow scott frost to stick it out um and it's just i don't know it because i just think that you know we wouldn't have won any of these two games and it's kind of changed the mentality of the state um or excuse me of the team and you know they announced today that the uh, the sellout streak was going to continue on. You know, they had enough to for sellout for the rest of the year. You know, Frost's still around till the first. Maybe maybe that doesn't happen, but there's kind of a renewed optimism around Husker fans. And I mean, hell, you know, when you when you're sitting in first place for two weeks in a row, you know, you've you've got to start you know thinking about the possibilities of what you know what can happen. Um, you know, like we talked about. Um, you know, back on episode we recorded on uh, September 21st, you know, we did an episode and it was after getting our teeth kicked in by Nebraska or by Oklahoma. And, you know, I came on here and I said, hey, you know, one and 11 is on the table, you know, and going one and 11 is on the table. And I said, you know, the thing about that is, you know, the other side of it is that all your goals coming into this season were still on the table as bad as you've played and as piss poor as it's looked. Every goal that Nebraska had is still on the table because no one came into the season thinking that, um, you know, Nebraska is going to win a national championship or anything like that. We were looking to compete for the Big Ten West. And, you know, at that point, we were just 0-1 and everybody else in the Big Ten West was looking pretty ordinary, which is still looking to be the case. 
and all of your all your uh, season goals were still around. So <clears throat> Nebraska's you know found a, a way to turn the season around and have some you know something to look forward to, something to compete. You know it's uh, you know October tenth, and there's still the season's still wide open. You know if we lose these last two games, the season's over, and we're already talking about you know next coach recruiting and all that. And now here we are sitting at the top of the division, along with I will say. My 49ers sitting at the top of the division, you know, so it feels good to root for two uh, two teams sitting on top of their respected division. So, um, well, and, and then you got to look at just the body of work that in the short time Mickey Joseph's been here, and the two the two the one loss, tough circumstances, right. short week coming in, filling in for a guy that's you know was clearly on his way out, whether he wanted to be or not, um, and then. And then you look at these two last wins, and in the way we we won them, we for one we've uh, we've shut out our opponent in the second half two weeks in a row. Um, we have won the game in the fourth quarter two weeks in a row, where in previous games, previous years, we have found a way to lose those games. And not to mention, we were finding all these new ways to lose, and it was becoming just maddening and now we're finding new ways to win whether it be on the back of our defense special teams offense sure certainly not offensive line um but um it's just it's exciting to see what somebody who instills a little as we talked about last time respect um some some true leadership and and really is rolling out a product with an identity and you know, those are those are some things that are, are going to win you football games, whether you're the better team or not. Yeah. And, you know, the, the staggering thing is, you know, the offense has looked pretty much the same or, you know, some might even say a little bit worse. Um, but the stark difference, just the defense, it's like, you know, what what happened over there? I mean, it, outside of, you know, one or two players, it's pretty much the same players out there. I mean, Luke Reimer unfortunately did get hurt, but these last three weeks has looked like the Luke Reimer we saw uh, last year, you know, um, Henrik's same thing. Um, you know, and now Garrett Nelson, uh, you know, I dogged on him and talked about him enough of the first couple episodes of weeks that, you know, he was, he was a no call, no show, uh, last three weeks. He's, uh, he's, he's shown up, he's shown up. What did he have? Uh, 11 two, tackles last week, two sacks last week. I mean, you know, we one and talk- a half sacks, eleven tackles, two and nine assisted, but two tackles for loss. So yep. yeah, I mean, pretty pretty good body of work. Yep. So you know, he's he's starting to uh, you know be the person that or be the player that we thought he was going to be coming into the season. Um, Caleb Tanner. I mean, I'm not sure if his his impact is coming through stats. I haven't looked at him yet, but um, a lot of pressures, a lot of pressures, a lot of havoc caused. You know, cor- causing the quarterback to get off his spot once again. Dominated on third down defense, um, you know. Bill Bush, I, I, I like the way he calls. It's a lot of blitzing. He's basically, in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what should I do? Uh, blitz. Let's see. Uh, what uh, second and two blitz? What, uh, first blitz, and he just constant, constant pressure, constant different looks. Very, you know, exotic blitz packages. You know, I mean, it's uh, we're getting we're getting home, and I think we had four team sacks Saturday. Um, and countless pressures, and then you know it ended it, you know, on the interception with a, uh, with a because of the you know the disruption caused. So just like what you know, what's the main difference? What do we see in different? I mean, obviously, you know, the main thing was Mickey talking about the guy getting the guys feet in the ground, getting the play call in, and getting the guys ready to play football. And we saw a bunch under Chenander where you know the ball's being snapped and guys are still yelling at each other trying to get the damn call in. I mean, what else are you seeing from the defense? Is it just as simple as fucking, you know, simplifying things, getting the call in and getting the guys ready to play football? Or what 
what what fundamental changes are you seeing, if any? Well, yeah, I think they're just getting the guys in the right spots. Um, you said it. You know, that was one of the biggest challenges that Mickey noticed while he was um, still under Frost. But the guys just weren't getting set, and that was that was his big teaching point um, coming out of the Oklahoma game. Um, and you know, we're putting new guys in there. We're putting new faces, and you you, you keep hearing this 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 Hartzog kid's name who had an interception in the game and he's just kind of putting his fingerprints on the games and you don't see Tommy Hill. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't getting it done. And <laughs> now he's not even listed on the depth chart uh, defensively. Oh, well, he, you know why this is right. He, he was warming up with the receivers. Yeah. He um, plays receiver before now. The game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I, I mean, that's, now, yeah. yeah and, and it's just, it's shaking things up when they need to be shaken up. You know, the, Frost just would, or, you know, Shenander for that matter would, would just get their guys in their spots. And there was never, there was never an ongoing competition. They, you know, they got their, they got their position and that's who played. And there was not, there wasn't as much strategic substitution, I guess I'll call it, um, where you're getting new guys in new spots and moving them around. And then, you know, you've seen O'Shawn Mathis kind of come onto the scene lately and, you know, he was a guy that that had a sack, and he's he's a, a big part of those those uh, complex blitzes that you're seeing. And unfortunately for him, one time he did come through on a blitz and was met pretty pretty oh, bad by the, my the running did, back. I'm glad and, somebody else spotted that. That's uh, yeah, that's one that they, they cut times. up and uh, put in the highlights there. Yeah, he came on that blitz, and he he, he probably ain't gonna be wanting to run that one no more. That no, was a hell of a he, shot. Goddamn. He, he got dinged pretty good, but um, <laughs> hit him up and, underneath and his chin. And he was a guy coming in that he put out his own little documentary for recruiting purposes. And you wonder what guy, what, a guy like that and what kind of character he's going to have and how he's going to respond when he gets hit in the mouth. Yeah. And he was right back out there on special teams and out there the next the next series on defense. Yep. And he I think took that a shot. just comes back. <laughs> Yeah, and that just comes back to to this newly instilled culture that we're seeing out of these new these new coaches, and and that's why we're seeing results on the field. I mean, yep. nobody nobody's job safe, and if they're not going to perform, they're they're going to be standing next to them. Yeah, and you know, just to kind of stack on top of that, um, the the kind of discipline and accountability that's being had is is really the the best kind. Because okay, so you see the beginning of the game, Hartsog's getting picked on. They're, you know, they're throwing the ball right at him, you know, back to back, big plays, you know, uh, Vedral dropped two dimes, you know, and granted, they were dimes. He dropped them right in a basket on him. Um, so they, you know, now it's like, oh, they found the freshman over there. They're kind of picking on him and they completed the third one on him. And you know what Mickey did? Mickey took him out of the game. And, you know, so he got to come out. And as he said last week, got come out and see the game from the sideline, see what they're trying to do. And so, you know, sometimes when stuff like that happens, it's one, you get taken out and you're just done for the game. You know, you've blown your opportunity and that's it. You know, I, oh, I got, you know, got, got my chance. You know, they threw three, completed three balls at me. Coach took me out. My game's over. And it's no, here, come over here, watch what's going on, learn. And then sure as shit, guess, guess what happens? One, the guy that came in for him, 24, came in, had an interception. And then, hey, it's, you know, it's closing time. It's winning time, fourth quarter. You know, we need you. Boom. Game winning, game sealing interception. And that just everything full circle. It's like, boom, beginning of the game, you're picking on me. Coach takes me out, coaches me up, gets me back in there. And I come in, you know, make the game, game winning, game saving play. And it's just like, yeah. that's the type of shit that I'm looking for. And I like to see from a team and a, a coach more, you know, more, 
more than anything. And I guarantee all the other players see that shit. They're not out there being afraid to, you know, try to make a play and miss it because they're getting, think they're going to get, you know, lose their spot for the season for the game or whatever, you know, go out there. And, you know, it was Frost's whole thing. He, his mantra that he said he wanted to instill here and just fucking never lived up to it. You know, yeah. uh, was it no, no fear of failure or whatever. And that's yep. that. Those kind of situations, you know, create that culture because you're not going to be afraid to fail because you know what? It's not going to be a one shot thing. You're going to get your opportunity in practice. You show out in practice, you're going to get opportunity in game. If you get in the game, have your opportunity. Even if it doesn't go your way, he's going to give you another look. So, uh, just uh, just really high quality co- pe- being working with people. It's not that's not even coaching. That's just people managing. You know, it helps the kid's psyche. You know, when you know you're not out there playing tight. Yep. And something that went, goes overlooked with that Malcolm Herzog uh, interception at the end is he caught it in direct, er, and right away went to the ground. He understood the situation. You don't need to return that. You get down Publi- and then you, you, yeah. you run out the clock in which we were able to do. And then uh, number 24, Brandon Moore, is actually an old transfer from UCF that came over with his staff. So that guy's got to be like 30 years old, too. We keep we keep hearing about these guys who have been in the portal before and and he's used every bit of his you know whatever six years they get now with the with covid players but um good to see an older guy like that and then to that point even miles farmer a guy that hasn't really had the success i don't think he wanted this year um he he came in and made a play too so you 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 have this this new found you know revived sense of like excitement and and that comes from being coached up and being put in the right positions and being and having that positive reinforcement when it's needed. Yep. Yeah. No, it's just, I mean, obviously to start the game off, you know, Rutgers goes down the field, carves up, Vedral's looking like, you know, I'm about to stick it to my hometown team, you know. Um, and they give that up was a touchdown. The touchdown they scored. Yeah, exactly. That was they gave up a touchdown in the opening drive, and then you know the offense really put the defense in some really bad spots in the first half, and you know the defense just bend and break, and you know we talked where we were texting back and forth at halftime, just like hey, you know we're lucky to be only down thirteen um, because the offenses did absolutely nothing. Um, Casey's getting hit every single play. Um, I don't know what what were your kind of thoughts just at halftime? You know, was it you know I texted you I was like. And apparently, you know, Mickey said it too. It was like, we need to score a touchdown on this opening drive. And it just, you know, and sure enough, we did or whatever. But what was kind of your feeling, you know, thoughts going in at halftime down 13 nothing, and looking like, you know, dog shit, uh, you know, for the first two quarters of it. So were you just thinking, oh, same old Nebraska or what, what was it, what was going through your head? No, I um, I actually was very optimistic at halftime. Um, I knew that there wasn't really a scenario where they were going to keep us out of the end zone. We were we were going to get there eventually with the amount of weapons we have on this team, whether or not we had any protection. Um, right. But I think it was huge when we um, when we did get that punt blocked and we held them to three points there, and then we got the ball and then they got the ball back and we stopped them again. And so I think those two stops at the end of the second quarter put me in a spot to be like, you know, I think our defense is going to be there for us here. You know, they they um, they only gave up those 13 points, one being that first touchdown and then a couple field goals where they did they did get in um, good field possession um, for those. But um, overall, you know, I 
I knew that we'd figure something out offensively and just the way our defense was playing and flying around and, and making the stops and they needed was not something that we were used to, you know, looking back to last year in Nebraska, Illinois, um, we just completely let the game get away from us in that second quarter by making mistake after mistake after mistake. And then at that point it was too late to, to, you know, claw our way back. So um, I, I felt good about it. And then, I don't know what Mickey said. I don't know what um, what's what's running back coach's name. Uh, Somebody said something to um, Anthony Grant that uh, the that that DB for Rutgers he wanted had to, to commit a murder pretty pretty substantially. <laughs> yeah, where he felt like I, he needed to murder somebody on the football field. Yeah, it was Twitter. <laughs> something on there it was like you know Grant had four, forty rushing yards and thirty four passing yards and also committed one murder. Yeah, two. Bo- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's you know that opening drive of that second half really uh, you know kind of changed things and that hit and that play that play set the tone in my opinion. Oh. Oh, I mean, yeah. That was that was the that was like the Levante David ripping it out of his hand against yeah. Ohio State that one year. It's like he, when you see something like that, every other player on your team is going to get jacked and yep. try and make a, a similar play. So oh, yeah. I think that's another the tone. Like, damn, they just killed one of my buddies. You know, that's my roommate. Yeah, I just it's like, are they called targeting on an offensive player here? <laughs> like oh, I mean, that guy was. You know, I mean, it's 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 funny and seeing people get lit up like that. You know, he was hit so hard. Where I was like. Laugh, and then I'm like, eh, there's some genuine concern for this yeah, gentleman's well-being here, you know? A little too soon with all the Tua stuff going exactly. on. Oh, my God, right? So, exactly. You don't want to see him on there fucking throwing up throwing up his signs, but, you know? I mean, he's got to get lower than that. The guy was standing straight up. He was like, like Taylor Martinez running the you're, ball. You're, I mean, at, just you're asking up. for that punishment yeah. there. So, um no, you know Nebraska's kind of uh, got got back into the getting coaches fired. You know, I didn't I didn't know if you knew this, but last week, you know, two weeks. and yeah, the last two weeks, Nebraska's opposing team uh, opponents have fired fired coaches. Last week, Indiana fired their offensive line coach. Uh, Rutgers fired their OC after after uh, Friday night's performance. So, um, you know, feels good. You know, the one thing I just kind of wanted to talk about with Casey Thompson. Is that how bad he one how bad he was playing the first half, and obviously, as previously discussed, you know, beat this cow to death maybe even a couple more times. Is this is the worst offense line I've ever seen in football, in football. So it's not all on Casey Thompson, but um, the first half I thought he just played a really terrible game, really tight game, um, and then he comes out in the second half and you know obviously plays like the player that you know we see him do. And the one thing I was just say about it is that he. I, he feels like he just has that mentality of like, you know, like he knows he's going to make a play. Like, you know what? I've had 10 terrible plays in a row. Like, I know I just need one. One play, I'm going to, you know, get this shot over the top. And same same thing with Trey Palmer. It's like, it's kind of like a, a boxer, you know. It's like, you may, you may have whipped me seven rounds, but I just need one punch. I just need one good old club punch to, you know, end this fight. And it just feels like he never feels like he's out of it. And, you know, you kind of, if you see those videos... Um, I think on uh, Heinrich's uh, wristbands, it was uh, he wrote "never out of the fight," and you know, and it helps when you have a quarterback like that that's just going to keep trying to chip away, no matter how bad it looked the first half. Just kind of kept trying to chip away, and finally get a drive together, and then you're able to hit a big shot over the top to Trey Palmer, and what what an asset he is. I mean, yeah, and yeah, and I think um, you know somebody needs to maybe just take Casey Thompson to the side and say, <clears throat> it is okay to run Brother. once in a while. You can, you can, you can use your feet a little bit. You don't need to break something off for <clears throat> 70 yards, but you can certainly just, 
you know, see when the pocket's breaking down and there's yeah. no one immediately open. Just take your four or five yards, slide, and move on to the next play. I mean, hey, when, you see, when we're getting you see in, you see what kind of quarterback he is, though. Fucking, they kind of, uh, you know, only time he does some running when it's uh, you know goal line time. Get them stats. Yeah, up. yeah. <laughs> he's he's uh, he, stacking it, stats. Exactly. He is not fucking uh, giving that ball up uh, down there on the QB option. Like he's he's keeping that. Uh, that's a keeper each time for him. So Anthony Grant's probably you know. He owes him probably you know four or five touchdowns, and then Yance came out, came in there took away a couple of them from him. So, um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you know my man Anthony Grant, you know after the hit or whatever, he's he's kind of starting to um, the offense line so bad. My brother's in the backfield juking motherfuckers that ain't there in the backfield. You know how they say the quarterback that gets sacked a lot, you know, he's seeing ghosts and whatever. And my man Grant's back there. He's, you know, he's jump cutting on air, you know. <laughs> he's like, because the offense line's been so bad, he's used to having to make the first man miss. I, I think I heard on the radio today, I think he I think he only had like 46 rushing yards. <laughs> and, and I swear, I swear they said um, like 58 were after contact. And I'm like... Oh, so there. So that means. So the way I took that, I don't know if it was a joke or they took it as carried he's getting touched. In, five. He's getting touched in the backfield, you know, at you know negative two yards, and <laughs> I don't know. I just heard that, and I was like, "What the fuck did they just say?" Um, but yeah, he's the stat back. that took me. The stat that took me back was Casey Thompson was actually only sacked one time. Jesus. And I had to. I, I thought they maybe left a zero out of that. Right. And it was, but. I, I I don't have it in front of me, but there had to have been just a ton of quarterback pressures. Oh my god! I mean, and not to mention Casey. Every time he gets hit and takes on the ground, it always looks like the just the most violent. I mean, it just feels like he's getting <laughs> banged up quite a bit. You know, I really, you know, the old saying that if you don't, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have none. And that kind of the way it seemed for Rutgers, but would they play three quarterbacks against us? Just two, which they're both were six of fifteen, which is really odd. Yikes! Yikes! And but the, I think it said that they had started five quarterbacks that season. Uh, yeah, because, I mean uh, Noah Vedral hadn't thrown a pass until until he played us. Yeah. So and then of course his first one's a dime. So and you know the thing, but I keep asking since our offense line is so bad, is getting the QB run game going. I think you know I think there's a spot for Smothers in this offense, um, just to kind of a change of pace, especially in the first half. When the offense is, you know, basically anemic, it's like, you know, a little QB run game in there, fucking. And like I said, it's not just some freshman off the, you know, out of high school that, you know, oh, he can scramble a little bit. It's like, this guy's played football. This guy's been in the program three years. He started against Iowa last year. The guy can play. So I just think there's a spot in this offense, especially at times when we, you know, you know, basically stuck in the mud, spinning our tires that – a little change of pace, QB run game would look nice. I, I, I'm not with the whole Purdy thing. He, he can't throw the ball as good as Casey, and he can't run as good as Smothers. So it doesn't really make sense to go to him. So I'd like to see Smothers get involved. Well, and I think they need to just start involving both of them with the with the number ones in practice, and not only to have them ready because they, as they say. You don't need to get ready if you stay ready. Correct. So, but get them running in there and then send a message to the offensive line at the same time and say, we have to get these guys ready because statistically, <laughs> or it's, it's not looking great. Suck. Like Casey Thompson <laughs> is going to, is going to be able to finish these games and stay in them uh, for the, for, for the entirety of the game. And there's so, been three times I, this season where I thought he was out for the season. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that, that, that might light a fire under their ass. I don't know what else you can try at this point, but something's got to be done. Whether, and like you said, get some QB run game going, toss in some screens here and there right. to, to keep those, uh, keep that rush honest. But yeah, well, you see they, what that, the, the offense did in the, the second half was kind of to help yeah. against rush was that's how Volkolak and uh, Grant had those big plays is because they, they were basically, you know, like check downs, basically similar to a yep. screen, basically like the rush is getting on him so quick. That a little QB or uh, running back release out in the flats, little tight end, you know, there, little block, and then turn around there at the line of scrimmage. Um, they were able yep. to get some big plays out of that because um, because the rush is fucking on. And there's there's no five seven step drops going on. I mean, how about a play action pass? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, he'd be sacked while he was you know faking the handoff. You know, so yep. it's just yeah. Uh, that goal line play, that goal line play to Vokalek was a great call too. That little pop pass because. You know he's not going to have much more time than that, and if the if you can catch one of those um, backers showing blitz, just uh, tight ends got to recognize that and just get right behind him and hit him quick. And yeah, that that's was, how we scored a touchdown. That, well, that was kind of uh, interesting. You know, the first two players scored touchdowns: Vedral, the former Nebraska player, and then <laughs> Volkolek, the former Nebraska player, uh, scoring Rutgers, you know, player, yeah. Rutgers player. You know, scoring touchdowns mm-hmm. against their former team. Um, to piggyback on to obviously how bad the offense line is. Um, the referees, they, and, and, and it's not, oh, they called it against my team. No, just across the board on both teams, just as bad as, I mean, last week, uh, against Indiana was the worst I've ever seen. Friday night was fucking just as bad. Four offensive pass interferences. I mean, you <laughs> last you week go it was whole, intentional grounding. Exactly. Like you could go a whole, you know, a whole weekend of watching all day college and pro and not see, you know, two offensive pass interference. Like that doesn't get called ever. And we had four of them, and all four of them were soft at best, um, you know. And it's the <laughs> the referees in the Big Ten need to get their shit together. It's been ungodly bad. Um, like I said, yeah, and last week it was the uh, the intentional grounding where you know the guy gets hit and it goes to uh, you know drops somewhere's where a player's not around. And they're like, oh, that's int- that's never called. It's never ever called, except in the Super Bowl of Tom Brady that. Uh, is that against um, uh, the Falcons? First play of the game. Yeah. First play of the game that happened, and that was and that wasn't because of pressure. The guy ran the wrong route, and Brady threw it deep, and there's nobody around. They fucking called him for safety, intentional grounding safety, or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, referees, not good. Um, you know, there's this thing going around. Uh, I've seen it called the uh, Husker uh, hex. The Husker hex. Um, oh yeah. So the three teams that Nebraska has lost to Oklahoma, Northwestern, and Georgia Southern um, can't can't uh, do anything. They are uh, one and nine since playing Nebraska. Um, Oklahoma just got their you know uh, <laughs> got curb stomped by their rival Texas, forty nine to nothing. The, the last time Oklahoma shut out was two thousand nine Nebraska. And I believe which was like a nine nothing game with like uh, Zach Lee maybe at quarterback and um, <laughs> Oklahoma came to town and Nebraska's defense with Mukamara and Dennard and um, I don't I think a lot that of was, dudes. yeah a lot some of dudes. dudes some some dudes on this <laughs> some team. dogs yeah um, so yeah that was the last time they were shut out and like I said that was like nine nothing or something forty nine nothing in the Red River rivalry I mean Oklahoma has fallen completely apart. Um, Northwestern, one and four, one win at Nebraska against Nebraska. I mean, they look like 
they like everybody said they were going to look coming into the season. Remember this? There, everybody's like, you know, this is an all-time bad Northwestern team, and then they come out, and they didn't just beat. It wasn't like we looked like dog shit in Ireland. They just they looked like a better team, you know. And now all three of the losses, they looked like better teams. Correct. Even Georgia Southern did. Yeah, Georgia Southern. I'm like, dude, these guys can compete for you know their conference title. And nope, 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 they're terrible. Um, it's yeah. So there's a Husker hex going on. Um, but speaking of hexes and uh, people leaving, uh, Matt Davidson is uh, is out. You know, a lot of people had talked about uh, his role in the whole Frost situation and um, and kind of I don't know people. You know, people will say what they want. You know, he was they say he was you know he was Scott's you know drinking buddy and all this and. <clears throat> piggybacked off the university. It, I mean, I think I believe the job he has with the university was newly created. Like that wasn't a real position before he got into it. Um, and obviously, he's the radio broadcaster. Where I actually think he does a good job as a radio broadcaster. Um, but as the associate athletic to football program, you know, just some made up, you know, nepotism fucking position. Um, so. With all the frost stuff, there's former players. You'd see Cluster Johnson on Twitter calling him out. Um, if you kind of listen to other, like uh, I listen to Damon Benning a lot, um, he's basically alluded to it. You know that basically he needed to be out, and and so Friday was his last game on the call, and now he is off to uh, do some NIL stuff. What what's your kind of take on Matt Davidson? You know, people are like, you know, you basically leached off the university from one catch in 1997. What's what's your kind of thoughts on Matt Davidson? I- I think he was definitely given a lot of the positions he has um, because of his legendary status with Nebraska. But at the same time, the reason, a lot of the reason I think at least that I've heard is just his ability to, to raise money. Yeah. Um, and, and that's essentially where he's going, just not directly affiliated with, with Nebraska. Right. I'm not really that surprised. Um, you kind of saw him lose, lose a little bit of his enthusiasm. Um <clears throat> When, when calling games and you could almost feel it and hear it a little bit in his voice, even at North at the Northwestern call. Right. And so it's, it's probably something where probably only like to do it while he was drunk, you know, fucking yeah. Yeah. I can't and, drink on the job. I don't, I don't think Trev would, would appreciate that very much. So, <laughs> um, so no, I think it's, it's probably for the best, you know, it's, it's time to like a lot of people keep saying, even Mickey Joseph, we got to just stop living in the nineties and, you know, as many, we too many cooks in the kitchen there for a while. Um, and so it's just, it's time to, to clean house and bring in a new chef, which we have. And, and so, um, you know, best of luck to him, but it's not going to change the way I root for the team or watch the games or anything. Cause I'm usually yeah. watching on TV anyway. No. And um, I think this is actually, a, you know, Mr. Gate 25, as I like to call him, you know, <laughs> anyways, uh, I think this is actually a perfect uh, spot for him because, one, he, obviously you talked about his ability to raise money. Um, and, you know, uh, he clearly has a passion for the university and for the state, so you like that. And this NIL, you know, he's kind of a sketchy, sketchy gray area business, and I feel like he is a perfectly sketchy gray area yep. business guy. Like, you know... The, you know, duffel, duffel bag of money, you know. Fucking, Snake uh, oil salesman. Exactly. Like, I actually feel like this is going to be perfect for him and perfect for us. Like, I expect our recruitment levels to go up. Um, you know, and that's, you know, honestly, that's the kind of guy you want in that position. A guy that's, 
willing to operate in the gray area and not be so damn. It's the up. bag man. It's the bag man. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, he's so unsuspecting looking too. It's like you know, but you know, you know, he you know, grime it up if you needed to. So, um, I I think it's going to be a great fit. So, and you know, how many of there are those of uh, those you know nil collectives are you know what is that the second one or did it take over for another one or um I'm isn't he sure. founding it or is he just is he's he... founding it but they're closing one and basically basically just rename yeah. rebranding i'm one. not sure i know open doors is a big one but i don't know if they're yeah and see these ones open players. doors open doors works with it. that's more of just like a helping them with the visibility yeah they work with a bunch of social, stuff social, like this 1890 yeah. collective is strictly for nebraska players um, it's apparently the people that own the Sand Hill Publishing Place. I guess they're the ones uh, funding it or whatever. So, you know, can you know just need some tax write off. So, shout out to uh, them. You know, good luck to him. Good luck. Go get us. You know, go Matt. First order of business. Go get us a five star quarterback. You know, or, or some offensive linemen. We can. Yeah, I know. It just uh, you know, it's just not sexy enough. You know, it's like, dude. All right, yeah. first one on the job. Go get us a fucking five star quarterback. You know. And the thing is, I think we could do it. I think we could land a five-star quarterback. Now that you're able to, yeah, we could have just hand them the money. Showed up to a meeting. Fucking Jesus Christ! Yeah, but you know, like I think, I think you know, people in Nebraska would cut a check for a five-star. Like, hey guys, this guy wants five million dollars a year. It's like, okay, let's you know, he's worth it. Like you said, we just we just equated to the two win these last two wins is seven and a half million dollars you know so what the fuck's five million dollars a year to the university you know like i mean the basketball team just got a five star and so if the basketball team can do it correct i would think pretty the football team can do it the football damn sure could do it yeah i mean we we went out and got his brother first so we can make sure to land that five star and that has go and get out. uncle and speaking of people that, that need but... to fucking lose their job um royola you need to go I mean, you know, the thing is, you didn't have any coaching experience at the college level coming in. You weren't uh, as an offensive line coach. Um, you were the offensive line assistant coach for the Bears, who, as I've previously stated, are the worst offensive line in the NFL. And so you've came here, and now you have the worst offensive line ever created. Um, you know, once again, as they say, you know, people eating off of the names from the 90s. You don't even have to be one of the players. You just got to be related to one. <laughs> you know, like just have the last name. You know, like that's that's how good the teams in the nineties were. Exactly, though. that's how good they were. What's your <laughs> last name? Exactly. Like shit. Let me give you a fucking you know six figure job. You know, golly. I mean, so um, you know, Nebraska three and three on the season. Six games left. Um, all of them look like I would basically call them coin flips outside of the uh, the Michigan game. Um, Purdue this week at Purdue in West Lafayette. Purdue looks like a pretty good team. Um, from what I've seen, I've se- I've watched two, uh, three of their games. I watched that very first game against Penn State. Um, I watched them blow one at Syracuse, which uh, basically because Brom went full Bo Pelini and got two personal fouls after a kickoff to go up, so the team got the ball at like the fifty yard line and. Basically, yeah, went Bo Pelini and, um, you know, cost his team um, a game. But Purdue is a pretty good team, and it's going to be probably the second best or best quarterback that we play all season, um, O'Connell. O'Connell. Um, mm-hmm. O'Connell will, will carve you up. Um, got a solid defense. 
So Nebraska, as I say, it's, you know, most of the games are coin flick. Nebraska comes in as 13 and a half point dogs, um, which is, I thought. Finally was, sounds right. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because Nebraska, or Vegas has had Nebraska paid wrong all season. You know, the lines mm-hmm. have been pretty out of whack. So um, to see them as that big a dog was kind of interesting and staggering, I guess. So, um, Zach, what do, you, what do you look at for this Purdue game? You know, does Nebraska, you know, what does it say, you know, two is a – Two is a uh, streak and three is a, you know, like a, a habit or something. Habit. You know? yep. Yeah. So it's like uh, Nebraska, get that. Was there a stat that we haven't won three in a row in Frost's era? Is that correct? That Frost never correct. won three yep. in a row? Okay. Yep. Yep. And it's been a long, long time since we even won three in a row in the God. back half of a season. Like a long time. But right. as far as Purdue, um, I think we go in with a with a fairly similar game plan as we did Indiana. I mean, Indiana wants to throw the rock around the field, and that's what Purdue does too. And and you know, Brom will tell you he he doesn't want to run the ball. He wants to he wants to spread things out and and, and you know let it fly. <coughs> and you know, with the sudden sort of resurgence of our our secondary and the, the fact that we're getting past um, you know heat on the quarterback. Um, and our linebackers are playing a little bit better. You know, that's that looks to to be a decent matchup. Obviously, Purdue's defense is probably going to be quite a bit better than Indiana's was. Um, but again, if we just if we continue with what we've done and that's you know show our identity and stick to it and and make adjustments when when they're needed, um, you know, we we could find ourselves right there um, in the thick of it. You know, come Saturday night. So yep. um, I I think it's interesting too. Um, you know, beyond Purdue. Who are the two teams we're tied in the West with Purdue and Illinois? And that's our next two games. And yep. we do get a break in between Purdue and Illinois, which is, will be very much needed. Um, especially guys like Casey Thompson and Vokalek who, you know, just keep seeming to be kind of beat up, but yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting um, uh, to see how we come out. Yep. Apparently Newsom was hurt last week too. I just heard that in the radio driving home. Um, where and he's I just heard that Castaneda. Um, I, I don't know that he's even with the program anymore. Yeah. I heard that today too, so that's that's lovely. But, um, and so I don't know, but I I, I don't I don't feel great about uh, or I, I feel pretty good about P- Purdue, and I feel a lot better this week about Illinois after watching Illinois and Iowa basically like two midgets in a dunk contest. It was just Not it good. was the worst thing. <laughs> and and you know then at the same time on top of that game was that K State. Uh, uh, who they squeak it out against? Um, um, it was bad game too. Iowa State. Iowa State. Yep. I mean, God, yeah, what was that, that ten, that 11, was just, nine, 11, nine? Yeah, yep. some something stupid like that. So, yep. Um, you know, Illinois kind of looks like another version of Iowa, but Purdue. I, I again, I feel I feel pretty good that we can be in it. I don't know that you know we'll have the the defensive talent to slow them down, but yep. um, you know, time yeah, will tell. You know, the good the, the good part is that Nebraska hasn't played a complete game yet. You know, um, we've seen we've seen the offense look good at times. We've seen the defense look really good these last two weeks especially um we haven't seen a full full team group group effort yet so you're still waiting for a game where uh, nebraska puts it all together in all three phases um obviously you know obviously you're excited to talk about a win we haven't even talked about us getting a fucking uh, punt blocked on us so 
Um, just kind of stacking on to that, uh, you know, three all three phases of the game thing is uh, we had a pump blocked. And, you know, shout out to Blaze Gunnerson, my guy that I've been, you know, each year he's always my uh, <laughs> my key guy that I'm, you know, is going to have his big year. But uh, made a really, really big play there um, because the bump, punt was blocked very clean. And the guy should have had it, had it returned for a touchdown. And uh, Blaze Gunnerson made a good effort play and was able to run him down. And we ended up holding them to a field goal that game. Yeah, he so, saved four points. So when you win a game by one point, you know, it's the little things that add up to, to win. So... Um, it's just good to see, you know, Nebraska start ending some of these narratives that's been tied to the program that you talked about earlier, just about, you know, the close, you know, the one possession games, the fourth quarters, the, um, you know, road games and winning back to back conference games. So it's just good to see some of those narratives put together, put to sleep. Um, and now this narrative of, you know, Frost's tenure, no one ever, he didn't never won three games in a row, you know, it'd be nice to go ahead and put, you know, put that one to bed, but it's going to be tough against Purdue. We're going to need to play our best our best game yet. Um, so it's uh, once again another battle for first place in the Big Ten West. Yeah, and, and you know, with Rutgers, it was nice being on the other end of watching another team just kind of make mistake after mistake and kind of kill themselves at the end. Um, it's something that we we know very very well um, at this point, and you know we we put Rutgers in a lot of tough situations to allow them to do that and. Just go to um, the movie Moneyball when they're kind of getting things going, and he's like, "You know, we got to trust the process, stay true to the process. Once they start screwing up, don't interrupt them. Keep letting them do it." Right. And that's kind of what we did with Rutgers, and it's it's good to really control a game like that when when you can you know catch them off guard, put them in bad <laughs> spots, and then allow them to kind of beat themselves if it's not all happening for you. So yep. hopefully they, they recognize that and learn from that and um, can keep putting their best f- foot forward for the remaining um, schedule. But three and three is crazy, man. I didn't think we'd, we'd be saying that at this point <clears throat> in the season. So. No, no, it feels good. So, um, you know, another news uh, after our podcast uh, last week, um, <laughs> your boy, the Niners won. That's the 49ers, it, right? you know, fucking, and, uh, you know, beat, beat the defending champs uh, to continue to uh, our dominance over the the Rams. Um, after that, uh, was able to uh, me and my wife to give birth to our new son, uh, Griffin Goldenstein, aka Griff Goldenstein. So, uh, new little baby boy. So we're excited for that. Um, not excited for the lack of sleep coming my way, but um, <laughs> excited for uh, to. Have my baby boy finally, so it'll get you know match with yours. How old you? How old Johnny right now? Two months. Just had his uh, had his two month checkup today. So you know, so he's doing well. Mickey. The troops are you know they're coming, man. <laughs> he just got about eighteen years, and they're they're gonna be ready <laughs> if you can just, just stick, hang on, buddy. Just hang, hang on. on. The troops are fucking coming, man. So uh, no, obviously we're excited to have our our baby boys, and excited for uh, you know to be rooting for you know a first place Nebraska team. Uh, my 49ers playing good. The Cowboys are playing good. So, um, you know, Yankees are, you know, starting the playoffs. Yankees start their playoff run Life tomorrow. is good. You know, life is good. So, with yeah. that, Zach, you got anything else? I just – one last thing I'll say is um, I don't know about you, but Saturday felt like Sunday and Sunday felt like a second Sunday because of that Friday night game. I kind of liked it, but yep. something about playing on Saturday just will get you. But the Friday night game was cool to yeah. um, to, to watch. And I will say one last, uh, also to that point, you mentioned sellout. 
Rutgers calling that a sellout was a complete oh, fraud and did. joke. And if they, and if I know. ever see a, a Rutgers fan questioning our sellout, right. I'll point them to the, the footage that I saw on last Friday night. Cause that was pathetic. Yep. So um, yeah, another night game for Nebraska six thirty kickoff, I believe, uh, which is good because there's, there's a shit ton of good games on Saturday. Um, yes. Obviously my second uh, interest team, Tennessee, you know, gets the chance to see if they're real. So Tennessee, uh, Alabama at Tennessee. So, um, excited for that matchup, um, Penn State and Ohio State. So, or Penn State and Michigan, excuse me. Um, so there's a bunch of good games on early. So excited for that. Excited for a good day of college football and a little nightcap with the Huskers. You know, see if we can uh, go ahead and get to three in a row. So uh, let's make it a habit. Let's exactly. make it a habit. Got to stack them days. You know, stack them good days. So that we'll see you guys next week. Go Big Red. GBR. This is the Big Red Revival.